Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the marketing podcast for marketers, founders, and tech people who are just sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the six-step process to tell compelling stories so you can change more lives and make more money. My guest today is someone I had the chance, and I would even say the luxury, uh, to work closely with recently. And I believe he's probably the best storyteller out there. He's a consultant, and he's been one of Hollywood's top coaches and story experts since 1985. He has worked with countless screenwriters, novelists, and filmmakers. He has consulted on projects starring Will Smith, Morgan Freeman, Julia Roberts, Tom Cruise, and Reese Witherspoon. So it's kind of a big deal. I'm super excited to have you on board, Michael. So Michael Hodge, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for taking the time. Merci. Merci. There. That, I, I, I answered in French pretty much as much as I remember from uh, senior year high school French. My name is Haig, by the way. It's pronounced Oh, sorry. Haig. I mispronounced no, no. your name for the last year and a half. Yeah, that's okay because the way you pronounced it is correct Norwegian, which is what it should be. Ah, but it got so switched go. to confuse people, but now it's Hague in America anyway. Okay. So great to be here. Good to see you again. I mean, we've had fun working together in the past, so I'm looking forward to this. So maybe this is something before I dive in. Usually I dive in into the step-by-step process right away and I try to squeeze everything you have for the audience to listen to. But maybe this is something I want to I wanna make sure of that people understand the previous uh, relationship we have. So as, as people know, if you're listening to this podcast for a while, you know I also work full-time for Hotjar and part of the process um, recently on a project I was involved in was to have Michael on board uh, to extract stories that we could tell people. And that was one of the most successful projects I've ever done a project that I'm super proud of uh, still today, and that was done to you, Michael. So I wanted to thank you again for for your contribution to this. Oh, well, you're welcome. Thanks for saying so. Yeah, we did it. That was just cool. I, my measure of sort of everything, I'm glad it's success, but was it fun? I mean, I think work should be fun. You should be doing something you love and are passionate about and and uh, there's a real connection, both with the person you're working with, as I feel like we had, and then being able to connect with those who are the recipients of the story and the project and so on. And I say that fills the bill. So I enjoyed that. So let's try to go through such process together, the storytelling process that you've developed um, so that people listening to this podcast can, can take it away and do it themselves and so that they can feel a similar thing than I felt when the story we've come up with was uh, identified. Before going into this uh, six-step process uh, for storytelling and to tell competing stories, why do you think storytelling is important for marketers? I think that the number one reason in my mind is because stories elicit emotion. And ultimately, when people decide to take some action, the decision is based on emotion. It may be backed up with data or a lot of reasoning or thought or whatever the source of the information is, but ultimately we go in the direction we feel positive about. So let's say you're a marketer or anyone communicating, but let's, let's say you want to persuade someone to buy a product to join a subscription site. Maybe you're just 
wanting to inspire people to change their lives or follow some philosophy. Like right now, one of the goals you have with this is to move people away from using, in your words, the sleazy sort of shady techniques, or I assume even beyond that, maybe just the kind of slick, uh, get rich quick techniques and use stronger methods of communicating with people and supporting them in what you do. Okay, so if that's your goal to change people's behavior in any way, you need to get them to feel. And the most powerful tool for getting to people, people to feel someone, the most powerful feel something, the most powerful tool for persuading them to take action is going to be storytelling. I mean, and my background, as you said, and my point of view towards story is all built on my experience in Hollywood. And before that, my experience loving movies since I was about five years old. And the thing Hollywood knows better than any other institution or group in the world is how to create emotion for an audience. I mean, it's, it's, I think, I think the total, I always lose sight of the total, but I think we're talking about, um, $300 billion, something like that, if you take all of the film and, and entertainment varieties that Hollywood generates in, in world revenue. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's a lot. <laughs> and the reason they're good at that is because they have learned and have known for more than a century that the thing that gets people gets butts in seats or the thing that gets people to stop flipping and watch your channel or your program on television or your streaming story is that you're telling a good, powerful story. And so if you can do that, if you could get people to feel, they feel a greater connection, they feel a better sense of trust, and you're actually giving them the emotional experience of taking the action you want them to take. Because you're going to tell a story about someone who has followed that journey and because they empathize with the hero of that story, they feel like they're taking the journey. So instead of using facts to persuade them to follow your direction, you're actually letting them do it. Subconsciously, they're the ones who are working with you if you're trying to get them to hire you as a coach. They're the ones who are using the product you're trying to sell. And they win because the hero of the story you're telling is going to win doing that. The, the burning question I always have about storytelling, because it is such a powerful thing uh, that works, that just works. As you said, Hollywood are, are storytellers. This is what they do. They're not making movies. They are like trying to get emotions out of people, whether it's sadness, happiness, et cetera, et cetera. Do you, do you know why intrinsically in our DNA as human beings, do you know why stories, the format of telling stories is such a powerful emotional mechanism. I don't know if scientifically I can say exactly why. I know that scientifically it's been proven that that is, that is the, the deepest way to reach someone's subconscious, you know, to get them to make decision. I think that part of it is from the beginning of mankind, from back caveman days when they started telling stories, it was a way to impart information. It was a way to give people experiences and feel the feelings to go with them without actually having to have them. Uh, let's say that, you know, a caveman discovered that you want to stay away. They survived an attack by a mastodon or whatever it would be. If they tell a story about that, they can instill that fear 
and teach others that this is something to avoid. And that expanded then to become a way to experience more of life and humanity without direct involvement in doing that. And so we're hardwired to respond to stories in that way over, over evolution or over the civilization. That's just become an ingrained part of our consciousness or our subconscious. And I don't know if that answers your question, but I think it goes that deeply, that it's just a way of connection that goes beyond what you can do physically face to face with something or, or goes beyond real physical experience. And, and Michael, do you know the only difference, the actual the core difference between human being as a species and any other animals on the planet? Well, there, there are a lot, but the one uh, I just I just read a book recently called Sapiens. And there you go. Said, I was hoping oh, okay. you'd say that. Oh, great book. I don't, you know, if this is something we can do for all your followers, and that is recommend that book. It's called Sapiens. You'll have to tell the author because I forget his name. Brilliant book. It's just fascinating. In every page, you are thinking, wow, I never thought about that. I got to remember that to tell people. <laughs> and there's so many you can't remember them. But what he says is, uh, man is the only creature that can actually imagine something outside their direct experience. It's they can they can actually imagine something that does not exist. So an animal, it, it, it permeates everything from the simplest thing of saying, Animals don't imagine what is happening to another monkey, you know, 3,000 miles away. A story can let you do that immediately, but it even goes deeper than that when it came to mankind. That's the source of all religion, all passionate belief, all sense of community. I mean, communities really grew and, and, uh, and uh, the tribe of Homo sapiens became more powerful, partly because they could feel a connection to someone that they'd never actually met in person just because they had a shared manufactured belief that at its core level grew out of a story, not out of real experience. Yes, because it's proven that you cannot, if you don't tell stories, if you don't use stories as a mechanism, you cannot keep a group of more than 150, 200 people together. Uh, as soon as you start growing a population beyond that, you must use stories to organize people beyond a belief, as you said, religion, beyond a king, beyond something that is just bigger than oneself. So a country, money, all of that is imaginary. And we are the only species able to imagine that and not only imagine that, but get around it and agree with it as a whole. So today's is not about the, the, the study of uh, the anthropology in the city of humans. Today is about storytelling, but I wanted to make this point because I, if I have to believe in the only thing, the only marketing foundation, the only thing that marketers should learn today is, is storytelling because it's such an important foundation for everything you do. So without further ado, what is your six step process to come up with a strong, compelling story? Well, it's, it's a process I've developed by looking at thousands of movies and reading lots of screenplays originally, and then going beyond that to look at any story in any situation. And any story that involves a character who wants something and makes an attempt to achieve it 
is going to follow the same six steps as any other story that falls into that same category. And so it's by examining this and, and developing a process that's similar uh, for movies and then streamlining it and applying it more to uh, stories that are told in a, in a business situation or in any situation where the storyteller is not necessarily a professional storyteller, a novelist or a screenwriter or something like that, that's what I call my six-step success story process. But all I'm really doing, to be truthful, is adding my own labels and way of looking at something that I didn't create. It, it evolved out of storytelling centuries ago. It's a, I mean, a lot of people talk about the hero's journey, but that's Joseph Campbell didn't create that. He just added different labels to what, he, what he's recognized in centuries of fairy tales and myths and so on. So it's just my way of looking at it to try and simplify it, but this is the way stories have worked for centuries. So before going through the exact six steps, the first thing I need is you need to do a little groundwork. The first thing you have to decide is, why are you telling the story? What is it you want? What is the action you want your recipient of this story to take? Okay, maybe if you're telling a story to friends, it might just be develop space or get them to laugh. But if you're using it in a marketing way or any sort of public way or business way like that, you may want them to purchase something, that you may want them to subscribe, as I said. You may want to just create connection with you. you. If you're a public speaker, you want them to stand up and applaud, or you want them maybe to go home, so to speak, and improve their lives by following the steps that you're outlining. So what's your purpose? Next is, once you know that, you have to then define a hero for the story that is going to take the same action you want the people in your audience to take. So by and large, and the reason I call it a success story is let's, let's, let's say you would like people to benefit from hot jar. Okay. Then one way, a primary way you need to do that is to tell a story about someone else who joined or connected with or found out about hot jar and accomplish something as a result of that, that had, that was going after something that hot jar helped them achieve. So what do you want them to do? Who is the hero who took that journey to achieve a similar goal? And then you can define, okay, what are the steps that person went through? So let me, let me go back to that. So the purpose, I think is pretty clear. And I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on it because you need to understand why you're doing stuff in marketing every time. So that's not only specific to your process, but the hero process is something we went through together, which actually is also interesting. So it's easy sometimes to maybe when you think of story, to think of this imaginary story that you can come up with, with a hero that is not real, with, with those characters, supporting characters are not real, with a world that is not real. I mean, straight away, as soon as I'm thinking of stories, I usually think of Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, and you mentioned Hollywood and all of those movies. But yeah. let me, uh, can you explain just a bit more, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe like there's two type of heroes. There is yourself or something, somebody else in a sense, right? Yeah. So, you could even say three. three there's okay. you, there's you having a true experience. There's someone you worked with or benefited from your uh, process. 
who actually had that experience, or there's a fictional character, like you said, a made-up character who you might be using as a fable or an allegory or just to entertain people. So it's any one of those three. And am I right to assume that the more you go to the third choice, so the more you go from yourself to someone else to a fictional hero, the more difficult it is to tell a story? Well, they're all difficult <laughs> in a way. I mean, they're simple, but there's work that goes... It would be more difficult to do that in a way that your goal was the primary goals for someone who's a marketer of some kind. Uh, if you want to inspire someone, it's that could be just as good a hero to include. Is it? Is it? It's probably more difficult in this way. If you're creating a character or a story on a blank slate where you have nothing to work from, then there's a whole lot of work to be done to decide what is this about? Who is this character? You've got to make everything up. If you're telling a true story, you at least have the real events, and it's a matter of conveying those into story form and presenting them in a way that creates that emotional experience. So I guess that was a long way of saying, yeah, it's probably harder to do the fictional character. So I was planning to ask you a question at the end, but I think we're going to use that as an example for the six steps. Um, could you think about maybe one of the favorite stories in the marketing business world you help someone to distill and be please do not pick uh, the one we work together like something completely different uh maybe some something that you're a story that you're very proud of that is simple enough to to explain where we can actually match it with the six-step process and explain okay the setup step one this is the setup for this story etc sure do you want me to tell that story first and then we'll go through it? Or do you want me to go, go as we go? I think, I think it's better if you tell the full story uh, okay. quickly. I mean, quickly, you know, as much <laughs> as you want, but then we can distill it. Yeah, it was a long, long ago <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. Okay, I'm going to make this abbreviated. So I'm not, it's not going to be a prepared version that's trying to elicit all the possible emotion, but just to get you through that. Okay, James Stafford has a, a company, a website called Websites Made Easy. He helps people, particularly marketers, create websites that are going to help them uh, market product, create a blog, et cetera, et cetera. He originally came to me as a client because I helped him with a story that helped him launch one of his new products or one of his new programs. And that was fine, but that's not what the story is going to be about. It's just how I knew him. So James uh, called me, this was possibly a year after he had done that first project, and he said, I need your help. He said, here's the thing. In three weeks, I'm going to hit the 10-year anniversary of the last day I took a drink. I've, I will have been sober for 10 years on whatever date was three weeks away. And he said... I want to commemorate it in some way. And I feel like over the 10 years of sobriety I've had and going through all that, I've learned some things that, you know, some people might find of value. And I'd like to share those things that I've learned just in case some people could be helped with it. I'm not, I'm not marketing anything with this story. I'm not going to post it on my company website. I'm just going to put it, set it out on mine. And we'll see if anyone responds because I, 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 I just... You know, if there are 10 or 20 people out there that could benefit from this, that would be great. And I need you to help me create that story or those stories. And so 
I said, okay, tell me about some of these things you've learned. And so, as usual, I asked him a bunch of questions and he talked about how it came to be and what he learned about relationships and different situations he was in that were difficult and how he had to find ways to overcome them. And he said to me, one of the things people learn is they think when you get sober, sober, your problems will go away. And the fact is, when you get sober, that's when the problems show up because you've been hiding those problems through alcohol before that. And so we talked a long time and I suggested, okay, I think the first story has to be the day you got sober. So he started telling me and we molded that into a story. The story opens with him driving to the airport, his mother driving him. He's about to get on a plane to leave Texas to fly to Los Angeles, a place he's never been to start a new life because he knew if he had any chance of giving up his alcoholism and getting past the life that put him in jail and he lost all his friends and most of his family and so on, he had to go to someplace new. He was so afraid that he was just trembling in the car on his way there, not knowing what this was going to be and scared to death that he was never going to succeed. And he knew if he didn't succeed at this time, it was probably going to kill him. So he gets on the plane and he's so scared. He does the only thing he knows how to do when he's that frightened. And that is he starts drinking and he basically gets plastered on the plane. He, they practically have to pour him off the plane. He goes in and finds a bar in the airport. And the next thing he remembers is waking up. It's morning. He's in some strange bed in some strange house. He has no idea how he got there or where he is. It turned out that the support people who were waiting for him that had the halfway house where he was going to come live, they went looking for him, found him and carried him out of that bar and took him and put him to bed. The next morning, he woke up, he saw the day, he realized what had happened and he said something about being in that place, away from everything I had known, something about just starting that day I realized it was now or never, and I had to change. And that became the first day of his sobriety. So that was the story. He sent it out, and immediately, within like about 10 minutes of sending it out, he started getting emails on how touched people were by it. He got people saying, I felt like you were talking about me. I, I've been wanting to do this myself. I think now I have the courage to do it. But then what happens is those people started forwarding it to other people and got sent to other websites who sent it out to their followers. And they started, you know, it kind of went as a viral email. He figures by now it's now been seen by half a million people. So somebody who wanted to start with changing 10 people's lives now has been seen and gotten hundreds of emails now have helped change the lives of, well, ten, half a million, if you count all the people that saw it. So the story you picked, I think you're testing my interviewing abilities with this because it's a story within a story. Um, and I appreciate that. I think it's super good. So it's just the first, the, the main story is the story with you and him and the story of the two of you coming up with a story, the result of coming up with the story. But then there's the story inside, which is the story of this person who went through this, this alcoholism, the crisis, day one of sobriety. But for the purpose of it, let's focus on the main story that you said, which is 
the one where uh, your friend, uh, I'm going to forget his name, uh, reach out. James. James. James, uh, reach yeah. out, James reach out to you want to, uh, who wanted to tell this story, right? So that's kind of the... So let's frame that with the six step. So there are six steps in total. I'm just going to name them uh, the setup, the crisis, the pursuit, conflict, the climax, and the aftermath. So in the story you just said, what was the setup? Okay. Let me let me back up just once. That's fine. Sure. I let clarify a couple of things. One reason it's a story within a story is because it was about the writing of a story, and you needed to know what story came out of it. Right. But but there's two key questions to ask first. Who's the story of that hero? Who's the hero of that story? So the hero is James. Uh, James. Now. I want to clarify for everyone that when I use the term hero, I don't mean someone who is heroic. It is perhaps someone who has the potential to become heroic. And the story is about him finding that heroism. But all I mean by hero is protagonist. You can use that or main character if you prefer. Okay. And why do you think I would pick that story to tell, beside it being an illustration? What, why would that be a story I'd want to tell all everybody who's watching? Because you want to show the power of telling a story that is that can seem simple, that doesn't talk about like this a superhero or some sort. Yeah. Okay, so we can say that, <laughs> but I don't want to be accused of being shady. There's another reason I want to, and that is. What would be my purpose in doing that besides sharing? I mean, I'm doing it for you to illustrate because that's why I'm here. But I want people to potentially contact me and consider hiring me to coach them. Right. Okay. So this is what I mean by a success story. I'm not the hero of the story. But if you're thinking, okay, I want to go through the same kind of experience James went through. I want to get to half a million people then who are they going to think about, gee, maybe I should think about this Michael Haig guy and look into him some more, or maybe I should contact him. That's how the six steps work. So, I, I, and I want to be very transparent about that. that maybe I am, maybe already. <laughs> A lot of people are thinking, he's just telling that story, hoping we'll hire him. And yes, busted, but I don't consider, it's a true story. I mean, you can, you can email James and he will verify that. Okay, so to answer your question, the setup. The setup is when we introduce this hero, whether it's you or this, you know, successful client in, in my case, in the story I told. You introduce them, you show us the living, show, show them living their everyday life, and you create empathy because you've got to create that psychological connection. So I told you who James was, and I was hoping to create a picture of him calling me up and saying, this is what's going on. Because when you find out, when, when he says, I want to celebrate, I've been sober for 10 years, it immediately creates a sense of empathy or feeling sympathy with him that he had to go through whatever he had to go through to become sober for the past 10 years. He's also likable because he says, the reason I want to do this is not to make money. It's just to help people. That's absolutely, I didn't make that up. I you know, I might have adjusted a few things just which you can do for the sake of the story, but nothing, none of the content is made up. He said that to me. Okay. And so now he's trying to figure out, okay, what is it 
I, what is I, the, so that's the, the setup is who he is in his everyday life. The, the crisis is some tipping point, something that happens that forces this character to take action. His tipping point was he looked at the calendar, saw it's 10, my 10 year anniversary. What am I going to do? I got to figure out what I'm going to do. That's when the hero will usually find or look for some kind of mentor, some kind of guide that's going to assist them. So he called me to be see if I could be his mentor to decide what can I do. And he already knew, had already come up with the idea of telling stories. I worked with him to find out what is the specific story you should start with. And so we decide, I said, we decided on the day he got sober. Now he has a goal to write a story about the day he got sober that happened 10 years ago to connect with people. So his goal is finishing the story and posting it. So that's the so, pursuit. That's step no, no, three not already. Yet. Not yet. No, part of, no. When you have the crisis, the reaction is to figure out what am I going to do and define what specific goal you had. He knew generally he wanted to do something, but he hadn't decided what. It's you want to define a specific finish line to cross. That make that gives your audience something to root for, something to anticipate and be invested in. His goal was get this story done and get it out to people so they and, can react. And the more detailed, the better, because you mentioned let's share it to I want to share it to 10, 20 people. I'd be I'd be happy if 10 to 20 people get inspired by that. And you yes. mentioned the number. So the more yes. specific the goal, the better. Yes, exactly. Because you want your audience or your reader to be able to picture this in their mind, what success would look like. They want to see some version of a finish line in a race. So, you know, that's what we're going for. So you can picture what blowing up the Death Star would look like. Okay, now we know what the specific goal is. So before going to step three, I just want to go through a bit more detail about what you said. You, you, you brush it off quite quickly, but you mentioned James contacted me as his mentor, his guide uh, to, to lead him, right? To, to, to lead him uh -huh. through this story. And this is also a very important part of, of storytelling, isn't it? The, the, the guide, this idea of having someone else or a magic... Um, thing that tells you what to do next. There is this element in storytelling quite often, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a very common uh, character. In fact, uh, some of my compatriots who also are experts in story say that's essential. You have to have that person. I will add one other thing. Uh, if you're considering making yourself the hero of the story, it's really valuable to have a mentor or a guide that you had because then you can give them credit for helping you achieve the goal and it doesn't sound like a story that's basically saying, let me tell you how great I am because I wanted this and I got it and I did it all by myself and I'm super. That isn't going to be a very persuasive, emotionally involving story. It's not going to have the effect you want. But if you say, and then I met this person and they showed me to do this and they helped me do that and they gave me the secret They told me the words that would inspire me to do this. It's a great character, either kind of story. So just a few examples. I keep, I don't know why my brain is wired to do this, but every time I think of stories, I think of Star Wars, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. So Lord of the Rings, you have Frodo as the hero and his guide was Gandalf. In Star Wars, 
uh, you had um, probably Anakin in, in some of the episodes as the hero, and then you had uh, I'm gonna forget his name as the guy, the, the Master Jedi, and then for uh, Harry Potter, Harry Potter is the hero, and one of his guys is um, uh, sometimes Hagrid, sometimes Dumbledore, but there's always this this guy, this mentor that runs around to help this person go through the story, the journey. Yeah, exactly. So going back to your story, though. So we went through the setup. We went through the crisis. We're at the end of the crisis. You basically have your hero deciding, okay, this is my goal. This is the detailed specific goal. In your example, you talked about 10 to 20 people that uh, uh, James wanted to inspire. What is the step after that? Okay, now you have the next two steps. Three and four are pursuit and conflict. And I, to define them, I put them as separate steps, but they're intertwined. Pursuit is what are the steps that the hero takes to achieve the goal? The conflict, what are the obstacles that that hero had to overcome? Okay, so in this case, when I talked about the, the pursuit, I said, well, the first thing he did was we had to talk, he had to talk to me about what these were. And then we land on this, so he had to tell me the details. If I was trying to convey more, even more about how my process works, I might go into a little more detail. But I'm not going to tell everything. It's just to give a sense of what this, remember, this is an example of having a story that has this kind of goal. Give us a sense of what working with you or going to your website or signing up for your or buying your product, whatever it, it, it is, would look like. The obstacles are what kind of obstacles did the character encounter that they had to overcome. The, the reason There's two reasons you want those. Number one, your goal is to elicit emotion. Emotion in a story grows out of conflict not desire. Desire drives the story forward and gives us something to root for, but conflict is what elicits the greatest emotion. The bigger the obstacle, the more emotionally involved we are. So you have to have some obstacles or it's just like, and so James started working with me and a week later, 500 million or 500, it's inflated now, half a million people. Okay, that doesn't work. So what I did, I didn't really talk about the obstacles to writing the story so much because then I, I moved into the other story and I knew there was conflict in that. So that would keep the story emotional. But generally it would be, what are the obstacles James encountered to writing this? The other reason you want to include that is because who do you think is going to help the hero overcome those obstacles? That's going to be you or your product or your process or your philosophy or your, your site or whatever it is, because now you've given the audience the emotional experience of getting your help overcoming a conflict. And usually that obstacle is going to be something that you know your audience is already anticipating is going to be a problem. And that's going to be a reason they don't want to buy or sign up or follow your advice. So, it's it's those two things in tandem, so to speak. So you've you you're a master storyteller, and, and and it's easy for you to move from the main story in, and then having a smaller story inside it, and you you did that with with ease. And this is something we talked about with one of uh, our mutual friend now, Andre Chaperon, on this podcast, where we talked about email marketing and email storytelling, and we talked about this this open and open opening the loop, closing the loop, and 
let me repeat it, uh, and maybe you can you can say whether I made sense or not. But the the way that you've done it to incorporate a story within a story is to start with the bigger story. You open a loop. You don't close it yet. So you open a loop like in a TV show, uh, the start of the episode. You open the loop, and then you start another story. You open this loop as well, and you have two stories intertwined. Then you close the smaller loop to give a bit of relief, and then finally you, you close the last one. Uh, so that the two stories are closed. So that's kind of the way you've done it. But the way you've done it even more is that you actually manage to move from one story to another and switch back and forth a few times, which is even more skillful. And the best way I can describe this in the way in the day-to-day -day life is when you watch typical TV shows like um, uh, recently, I mean, Breaking Bad was just a phenomenal example of that where they just... When you watch episodes like this, you can see many storylines opening at the same time. So you have the romantic storyline, usually you have the major conflict storyline, the one that goes through the full season. And then you have smaller obstacles, smaller stories inside each episode that usually close within the same episode. I just wanted to make this, this parenthesis within the big story that is our episode to, to show that this is also a super powerful way uh, to go about telling stories. Yeah. Well, one thing we should point out is Andre Chaperone's a lot smarter than I am. And so he'd be the good person to talk about that. And yes, that's absolutely, I never thought about it in that inner, you know, inner loop, outer loop, or open loop, closed loop, because that's not really the terms I use, but you're absolutely right. To avoid getting overwhelmed by that possibility, first of all, it's, it's a tool. It's a particular tool that Andre likes because of the whole way he, his, his whole process, his whole, you know, soap opera sequence process and, and the different parallel, uh, email series and so on works very well for that. But the main thing, if you're trying to do that is, separate these two stories and make sure each one is clearly defined and each one has its own six steps. That was... And then blend them together. And, you know, by depending on a variety of things we can't get into now. But the biggest problem would be if you're trying to hold two stories in your head and maybe I'll take one here. No, I'll put another one here. No, get two distinct stories and then weave them together. Yeah, and, and if you're starting with storytelling, which was what I was trying to hint, it, it's probably a better idea to start with one story and deliver it this way instead of trying to match many stories together. Usually, yeah. So we went through the first, the first four steps, the setup, the crisis, the pursuit, the conflict that are usually, as you said, intertwined. Now, let's go to step five, the climax, and part of uh, using your story once again is the story you told. Yeah, well, his goal was to uh, write the story or create the story, post it, and help 10 people. Okay, that where he, you know, he said, if even 10 people. So I got that. So I said, he sent it out and immediately started getting back emails that said how deeply they were touched and so on. That's the climax. He got what he wanted. And we need to. You need to paint a picture or take a snapshot, you might say, of the, the hero crossing the finish line. We need to be there and celebrate that with the hero. So it was like, wow, he did it. The feeling there should have been, he did it. He got this reaction to it. And then the, the next step is the aftermath. 
The aftermath is an essential part of the story, especially a story you're using to persuade someone of anything. And that is, it's a picture of the new life the character is now living or uh, the new life the character is living some period of time after crossing the finish line. So we see how the character's life has changed because they completed the journey. Because that aftermath, that image you create of what the hero, where the hero's life was after all of this, that's what your potential buyer, follower, audience member, if you're giving a speech, that has to be a picture that they want for themselves. Now, it doesn't need to be specific. Maybe your goal isn't to reach half a million people. Maybe your goal is something more modest. But what it does say is by telling this story, he was able to touch a lot more people than expected. So you, you can picture what that would be like to, to realize that half a million people had seen your story or your email or whatever it was. You would picture that in whatever way you wanted, but it's the long-term effects. It's the, it's the new life. It's, he's, he's, he has a different life now because he's now known by way more people than he was from before, before we started this. And am I right in assuming that the, the climax, the, the step five in your story was when you said 10 minutes after the story was published or even before he started to get emails back saying that yes. they were inspired? Yeah, that was the climax because that was him achieving the goal that he said he wanted to. That's what we were rooting for. I, we, he didn't say, I want to reach half a million people. That was, and, and if he had, we would have to create a new, after, that would be the climax. And we'd have to create a new aftermath that showed, okay, what is his life now that he has already reached that? But it's, it's the, the principle is it's not enough just to achieve the specific goal. We want to know how will our lives be changed. You want to convey how my life will be changed if I am persuaded to do what you want me to do. Right. So there you have it, folks. Uh, a master storyteller distilling the, the concept of storytelling in less than 30 minutes, I think. Um, I hope that was helpful for the steps, but there is a few more things I want to talk uh, to you about, Michael, and one in particular that you also do naturally. Um, you use dialogue in the way you tell the story. So instead of saying, I had this client, he contacted me, he was very uh, anxious to find a good story to tell about his uh, uh, new life after sobriety. We talked a few uh, a while, um, and basically without using any dialogue, uh, like just paragraphs of paragraphs of no dialogues, that probably would have been a very shitty and boring, boring story. But yet, naturally, what you do almost, I think, in the first sentence, you said, James contacted me and he said that, right? And you use this dialogue from. So why is that? Well, when you tell a story, you want to transport your audience I'm going to stop saying audience, reader. I'm going to call everybody audience. It could be a customer, it could be a client, it could be a follower, whatever. You want to transport your audience from the world they occupy to the world you've created. That's what it, it's, you, again, I'm always going to refer to movies because that's sort of who I am in my background, but you've all had the experience, unless it was a really terrible movie, of going into a movie theater 
and maybe somebody talks or turns on their phone and you get really pissed off. But why? You don't get pissed off if somebody turns on their phone in the lobby. It's because you're, you're being yanked out of the new place that you're in. You are there. You're in the Millennium Falcon or you're at Hogwarts or you're on the road to Mount Doom or whatever, you know, example you want to give. And so you want to, to, to be transported, to take your audience there. You want to make that world as vivid as possible. That means it's not just an overall description. It was a castle. It's detailed. It was this high. The room had these objects. It smelled like this. And you could hear the sounds of this or, or we could or, or whatever the sensation is. And one of those is dialogue. We're much more present if we can actually hear the person who's talking inside our head. The, a, a phrase I use often that I haven't yet here is your goal as a storyteller is to create a movie inside the mind of your reader. You're, because whatever kind of story you're telling, you're a screenwriter because you've got to create that movie. So we're not just thinking about it. We're not just interested. We're there. We're in that situation. So to picture or to hear, so to speak, someone actually saying dialogue takes us more, makes us more present to that than just an overall summary of what they're saying. A good trick, if you're writing a story, is when it involves communication between characters, Look at how many times you were, use the word that and then see how many you can eliminate. And by that, I mean, by <laughs> OK, so uh, James told me that he wanted my help because he told me that um, he was uh, 10 years sober and that this and that that. But if you say dialogue, it was James. And I could have worked harder on making it even more vivid, or I might have, now that you mentioned, I think it might be more vivid if I had given some dialogue to his mother. And he's sitting there, and his mother is saying, James, what's wrong? It's going to be great. You know, I'm, 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 I'm working on it now. I'm re Next podcast, it's going to be even better. So thanks <laughs> for that. Um, so that's why. It's anything that makes it specific and vivid as opposed to general and summarizing. Those are, those are detrimental to story. Are there any other elements uh, or things to avoid um, that could also be detrimental to a story, apart from the one we mentioned? Let's see. I don't want to make this confusing. What I was going to say is don't come out of the story. You can, you can stop a story the way a commercial does on television, if it's commercial TV, like what Andre is talking about. You might tell part of the story and then leave us hanging while you pull back for some uh, commercial content or some explanation. Or if you're telling a story to instruct, to show this is how you create a website, you might tell a story about somebody doing it and then they reach a certain point and they say, now, now here's what this person had to learn about uh, building a store inside your website. Okay, so now you're going into content and you're out of the story. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to make comments about the story you're telling. Don't say, um, and so James was worried. I, I see this a lot on stage, so maybe it's a more apropos thing there. But um, uh, they'll say, 
James was worried about having to come up with a story that didn't sound like he was bragging. Have any of you ever worried about bragging with your story? Okay, now you're not with James anymore. Now you're just in the present thinking about your, you know, this and it shatters it. So the, the, the short rule of thumb is when you're telling a story, tell the story. Don't get distracted by other things unless it's a very pointed, you know, separating parts of the story at dramatic places to give information. Michael, thanks so much for, for going through this exercise. It's, it's fascinating every time I talk to you because you're always teaching me new stuff. I, I hope that if you're listening to this podcast right now, you, you learned a lot as well. Um, I always end up asking my guests, uh, three questions at the end, uh, of each, of each, uh, episode, Michael. So let's go through the first one. And you cannot use storytelling as the answer to this. Um, that's your challenge. Uh, that's oh, yours. You no wait, you didn't tell me that when you sent the questions, and I know. you haven't asked me the other <laughs> questions that I'd prepared answers. So I may refuse to answer. Okay, go ahead. Let's see if I have any any piece of knowledge that doesn't involve storytelling. No, no, I probably don't. What, what you can answer by something specific to it, but it's fine. So, what do you think marketers should learn today that will help them in the next ten years, twenty years, fifty years? And it's not story. Storytelling. Oh, it's your life, you I know. I'm torturing you. just look like a doofus. Okay. Well, now I'm afraid it's going gonna, it's gonna to all sound familiar and kind of cheesy. Uh, one would be be absolutely passionate about whatever it is you're trying to market. I mean, if you're, if you're just finding something because that seems like it'll turn a buck, it might turn a buck and you might get even wealthy, but I don't think that's in the long run going to feel very satisfying uh, as... As I said early when I was talking about us working together, my sort of rule of thumb is I do the things that sound like they'll be fun. And, uh, and I would hope that what came across, because I didn't rehearse it, I just hope it's clear, I am always excited about storytelling. I, I love talking about it. I wasn't like, okay, how are we going to get through this? I just get into it. We could go on for hours if, if you kept asking me questions. So... Go with your passion, but truly believe in and be passionate about whatever it is you're marketing or whatever it is you're trying to persuade people to do. I, does, I, that, does that count? Absolutely. And I concur because I believe this is the basis of good marketing. I think many people who are using sleazy, shady tactics don't necessarily want to, but they feel that they have to because the product or services they sell are not good enough or they might even be shitty completely. And... I think as long as this happens, you cannot connect deeply with what, whatever you're offering. And therefore, you cannot use all the leverage that you can use as a marketer when you're trying to sell something that is truly good. You cannot use storytelling that much as a leverage or unless you, you're prepared to lie. Uh, you cannot use emotions that much unless you're prepared to lie. So I completely connect with you 100% and I agree. Um, so now you can answer with storytelling stuff um, to, to the next question. Oh, okay. Okay. Besides, besides your book, uh, Storytelling Made Easy, uh, that I would recommend anyone to buy, um, what other, what are the top three other resources you would recommend listeners? Uh, okay, well, and it could be anything. Well, yeah. First of all, you've stepped all over this one too, because you didn't tell me I couldn't mention my book and I was going to mention that because I just mentioned it. So you, yeah, you have, you have another, you have another bonus answer. Okay. Cool. Okay. So, but I did come with, with, actually four. So I can do these three. One's going to sound a little weird. 
The first one I would say is, you've also already mentioned, and that is Andre Chaperon. Andre Chaperon has become a friend, but he's been so instrumental in teaching me things, but also he's so great to work with. We did a product together that I'm very proud of and that has been very successful. Uh, but if you're not familiar with him or haven't gone deeper into what it is he does and could, um, if you go to, you may have given a, a website already, but I'll just reinforce it. But what I would go to, if you go to tinylittlebusinesses.com, I know that's a way in, and it tells you the different products he has, the different things he's involved in, but he's, he's a brilliant guy, and he's, he's just nothing but integrity. He also, one of his guiding philosophies he probably said is, you don't look for, you know, he wouldn't care about a half a million people. What he's focused on is, let, let me find a small group of people that can really use this, that really want and need this, and let's let me help those. Let's make those passionate followers, but also let's really help those people as much as we can. And that's been very successful for him. So one would be tiny little businesses. Another, I don't know if you've had him on, but he's also been somebody that's been you know really instrumental for me personally and and my growth. But I think he's brilliant, and that's Russell Brunson. And if if you go to russellbrunson.com, Russell Brunson is the creator and the creator and head of the company that does ClickFunnels. He created ClickFunnels. Uh, if you go to his website, it'll tell you all about him. You've, you probably, most of you watching this, have heard of him already, and maybe you're a follower and very, very involved. But among the things I would strongly recommend is get a hold of his books. Um, it's Dotcom Secrets and uh, uh, what's the other one? Expert Secrets. And I should remember expert secrets. I'll put in a, a self-aggrandizing plug because it, I mentioned in that because he has a chapter on um, storytelling and he mentions me. He says, I taught him. He thought he knew storytelling before he met me. And that was very gracious of him. And it's been very nice. But that's not really why I'm recommending it. It's because it is just it, it's all about really how you create a following and a movement. And it may not sound like something that you would want to do, but it's brilliant. And there are a multitude of things he talks about that you can infuse into many aspects of your business, as well as uh, the specific thing he focuses on, which is marketing uh, through the Internet and click funnels and so on. So get acquainted with him. He would be the, the second. The third, since you didn't let me have my book, is it's going to sound perhaps strange, but it's a movie that I highly recommend you watch. Actually, there's two, but I'll start with one. And that is, even if you've seen it before, watch the movie The King's Speech. And the reason I recommend that is because uh, not only is it a great movie, I just love that movie. It's a historical movie about a prince who had to take over the throne when he didn't want to, and then had to lead his company into World War III, World War II, and about how he was terrified of doing that, first of all, because he had a horrific speech impediment, and next of all, he never thought he was qualified to be king. And so, but it's the, the goal of that character is just to give a speech without stuttering. And to do so, he finds an eccentric speech coach named Lionel Logue, 
who actually his wife, uh, Queen Elizabeth the first, or not the first, but his the uh, Queen Mother Elizabeth, she finds this guy, and he and the king and Bertie, the prince Albert, starts working with him, and eventually, well, you'll see. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it, but you know what his goal is. His goal is to give a speech without stuttering. And what happens is that speech becomes monumentally important before the movie is over. The reason I recommend it is not just because it's good and because it's a story, but because you'll also see very clearly what those six steps are, but also because it's a movie about a consultant. And so I want you to look at it and say to yourself, okay, who's the hero of this movie? Because it's very clear it's the prince who has the stutter and he has the goal. But then ask yourself, okay, but if I was... If I had a speech impediment, who would I go to to help me? It wouldn't be the hero. He, he, he had that same problem, but it got solved by this other guy lying alone. And, it's a, and it could almost be a marketing story if Lyle Loke, first of all, it wasn't if the internet had been invented before World War II, but also if he, if he was wanting more people to come to him, this would be a great story that showed his skill without making him the hero. Or if he, he could show that and nobody would think, well, you're sure full of yourself because the hero we're rooting for that we are connecting to is actually the character he helped. So on several levels as a story, I think it would be a wonderful one to take a look at. Thank you so much for going through this and going th those three resources. I, I concur on the three of them. I watched the movie. I uh, I do not know Russell personally, but I do know Andre now personally. He's the one who introduced us to each other, and he's he's a he's a sublime guy. Like he's just so he's he's a nice person, genuinely nice, um, and it's super smart. And obviously, feel free. Please mention your book and and tell us more about how listeners can connect with you and learn, learn more from you. Okay, so my book is called Storytelling Made Easy, and it, it's, it's, a much, it's not a, a really long book. It's not dense or anything, but it's a much deeper dive into the six steps, how you use them with a lot more answers to the question about what are some other things we can do to really refine a story and use dialogue and use Hollywood sort of magic techniques and, and how you decide whether you should be the hero or someone else and so on. Uh, but before you even do that, if you want something free and a way to get in, get in touch with me and also see other things that I've done, go to my website, which is storymastery.com and just start surfing around. And there's, there's products, but there's an abundance of articles about different aspects of storytelling that can be applicable. And it talks about my speaking gigs and so on. But if you type in storymastery.com slash numeral six, S-T-E-P-S, that's six steps, then you'll go to a landing page. And if you click through, you'll get a free ebook. And in that ebook, it's just called Six Step Success Stories. And there for free, you can get an overview and a chart that shows these six steps and a story that I wrote for a client after he told me the story that I wrote primarily to illustrate the six steps so you can see them again in action. This is not a marketing story. This is a, what you would think of as like a signature story about the storyteller and when he entered a marathon and what he learned from that experience. 
And it's a fun story. I, I'm really pleased with it. And I think you'll enjoy that. So I would go to the website, surf, then add the slash six steps and get the freebie. And then you'll be compelled to order the book on the website. I'm just sure because you'll want even more. And I do have the book and I, I read it uh, regularly, which is something I do with the books that I really enjoy because every time you tend to forget a few things and it's good to, to remember a few concepts about stories. Uh, once again, Michael, you've been an absolute pleasure. I mean it. You're, you're an expert in your field and it's, it's always great to talk to you. And I think listeners have, have uh, learned a lot from you. So once again, thank you. Oh, well, thank you. It was a pleasure. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. And this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode, I don't treat email lists uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a, as a one-to-one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short and personal emails every two weeks, I would say. We, I'll inform you of guests in advance. I'll share with you my numbers and how many listens we get and I'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests and perhaps I can also uh, have you on the show uh, someday so don't be afraid to subscribe I'm not going to spam you and you can always unsubscribe for sure if you wish the second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback we know that this show is not perfect yet and we always Uh, can improve so you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com good or bad please feel free to send me an email and the last thing i like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode please share it to your friends your colleagues or whoever might like it and also please review it on itunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast because if you leave us a five-star review it means that more people would be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker So thank you so much once again and au revoir. And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.